Thank you, Pastor Stefan. Y'all, let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Why don't you just tell the person next to say, it feels good in the house today. Thank you so much, worship team. I was uh, half tempted just, they gave me a microphone early. I was half tempted just to come up and join y'all, but thank you guys so much. If you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to Hebrews 10 today. Hebrews chapter 10. It's such a blessing to be here at Pineview Church. As Pastor Stefan said, I've been here and worked in the kids' ministry. Uh, we had a wonderful time at camp. Are there any, any 
previous campers in the building this morning. Okay, like four of you, nice. We'll have to work on our retention, but it's okay. It's all right. We got, we got a few. Uh, but no, we had an absolutely wonderful time at camp this summer. Um, and so I just want to say thank you to you all. Thank you to the church for trusting your students with us at camp. It was an amazing, amazing move of God. We ended up all together baptizing, I think, just over 20 students when it all came down to it. I mean, what an amazing, amazing <laughs> celebration. I want to give honor to the Nix family. Uh, this church has been so good to my family, my grandparents, brother and sister Perry. Um, so you guys have been so good to them and the whole Nix family. Thank you all so much. I want to honor them and say thank you to all of them. I believe God's going to do something in this place this morning. If you believe it, say amen. amen. All right. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, and then you can be seated. It says, therefore, brethren, having boldness, or, or since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. It says, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Turn to two, two people, say, draw near to God. With a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward, towards love and good deeds. And one last verse, not giving up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, not at this church, everybody comes here every Sunday, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. And before we pray this morning, I want to tell you, I want to talk to you about this subject. We need the church. We need the church. Would you join me in prayer? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you today, Lord, so grateful and thankful for this opportunity we have to gather together as believers. God, I pray that as we continue in this service, your spirit would continue to go with us, God, that you would let your word move upon our hearts, God, let it motivate us, let it spur us, let it convict us this morning to do what you have called us to do. Lord, let these words be pleasing unto you. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And we'll give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. We need the church. So, y'all, I'm going to be really honest. I absolutely love the church. I love the church. I grew up in the church. Uh, I am fifth generation preacher going back to whenever my great, great, great grandfather got here from Greece to Ellis Isle. He became a preacher. And since then, it was kind of like I didn't really have a choice. And so my childhood was sleeping under pews. I don't know if anybody can attest to that, sleeping under a pew. And you, you can't get your hands out there because some, some ladies shouting in some heels, you don't want to get your fingers stepped on. Right, it's Sunday night, it's getting late, you've been at church all day, you had, Sunday, you had Sunday school, then you had service, then you went out to eat, then you had to come back for choir practice, and now it's church time, and, the, and they're shouting a little bit, and you're just, it's tough being six years old, right? And so, 
I don't know if you can relate to that, but even currently, I will go home from church, watch the Lions win this year, it seems like, and then once that's over, go to YouTube and begin to go to various churches throughout the evening online. I love the church. Uh, If Pastor Nix was here, I would tell him that I remember in an in the month of August on a Sunday night when he came to my parents' church and he preached a sermon, Trivia Pursuit, I just simply love the church. But there were a couple rules that my parents had uh, for me growing up, and that was I couldn't miss church. Under pretty much no circumstances could we miss church. When we went on vacation, You best believe we were going to find a church and go to it on Sunday morning. And so I used to play floor hockey when I was growing up, and tournaments for floor hockey were often on Saturdays and Sundays. And so what would typically happen is we'd have a 7 a.m. game on Saturday, an 11 a.m. game, and if we won the 11 a.m. game, we'd play in the championship game at about 1 or 2. So typically what would happen is Sunday mornings I would get up, my best friend and I, we'd get picked up and we'd go to the 7 a.m. game. We'd play in that game. We'd get in his dad's truck. We'd change in the truck on the way to church into our church clothes. We'd go to church because we weren't going to play in the 11 o'clock game because church was going on. After church was over, we'd grab some food, change back into the other floor hockey clothes on the way to the game and hopefully play in the championship game. And if, you know, we probably prayed that we'd win too, if we're being honest. Let's, you know. But I love church. It's so exciting to me. And I grew up in a church. Listen, I grew up on a church that you didn't know what was going to happen. You could show up to church and everything just be nice and in order. Somebody could stand up in the middle of preaching and just start testifying. You might have worship service for two hours. You don't know. I'm not saying that's the way it should be. I'm just, you never knew what was going to happen. It wasn't a boring church. I don't know if anybody can testify to that. So I just want to talk to you about the church today. I want to talk to you about the church. So one of the things that's so important to me is understanding the purpose for the church. The church is so much more than just a social club, more than just a gathering, but the church exists for a specific purpose. And one of those purposes, and this is, if you're taking notes, write this down. The church is a place where the lost are found and dead things come to life. The church is a place where lost things are found and dead things come to life. John 5 and 24, the Bible says, Verily true, I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life, will not be judged for what they've crossed over from death to life. Luke 19, 9 through 10, Jesus says to him, Today salvation has come to this house because of this man, too, is a son of Abraham. And then he goes on to say this, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Let me tell you, the church is here to help save the lost. People who are far from Jesus, we are here to bring them to Jesus. If you were coming in here today looking for a retirement home for the righteous, I'm telling you, this is the wrong place. This is a hospital for the hurting. Let me say it this way. The church is not a place where when you come in, you got to get it all together. You got to make sure your suit is buttoned up just right. You got your shoes shined. Everything's perfect. Your kids are all in order and you got to get it all together. No, the church is a place where we're in it together. 
Come on, it's a place where we got to be real with one another and we're laboring and we're fighting and we're pressing towards the mark that God set towards us, bringing in the lost and hurting people to Jesus. Everything we do should be about bringing people to Jesus. Come on, what does it say? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Come on, we should be looking for people in our circles, people in our communities, people in our schools who are far from Jesus and be praying, God, how do we bring them to you? How do we get them close to you? How do I get them to church so my friends who are hurting, my coworkers who are hurting, they can experience hope and joy? We're looking for the lost and we're here to bring dead things back to life. Come on, I serve a God who's really good at resurrection. Come on, he brings dead faith back to life. Come on, I've seen him bring dead marriages back to life, dead finances back to life. Joy that has died can be restored. Come on, do I got a witness in the house today? Come on, I serve a God who is really good at resurrecting what may have been dead, but he breathed new life into Sorry, I, don't, I just feel like preaching a little bit. This is off my notes, y'all. Can I talk about, can I talk about it? All right. I'm going to do a little preaching. I'm going to do a little teaching, then I'm going to start preaching again. In the beginning, okay, God is creating everything, and we get to Adam and Eve, right? We get to Adam. And what does God do different for Adam that he does for ev- anything else? He speaks and things are made. He speaks and things are made. With Adam, the Bible says he breathes life into him breathes life into Adam. Well, if you haven't read your Bible, spoiler alert, Adam and Eve sin, and this perfect garden is broken. All right? Well, then you get to the New Testament. And in the New Testament, Acts chapter 2, the Bible says the day of Pentecost has fully come. They're all together. And then it says there's a sound like rushing mighty wind. And that Greek word, there's this Greek word that it uses called pneuma. And pneuma is an interesting word because it means like wind, but it means breath of God. And this is what's so important. And I hope you'll hear me today. In the beginning, God breathed his life into Adam and things were perfect. Well, when Adam and Eve sinned, we fell out of that perfection. But then in the New Testament, Jesus says, hey, I got to get my spirit back into you. So on the day of Pentecost, when the spirit moved... When the Spirit of God moved and we're filled with the Holy Spirit, it is God's Spirit coming back into us as it was originally designed in creation. We can now be filled with the Spirit and restored to where we should be. This is why it's so important, church, to be filled with the Spirit. I'm I'm glad you're here, Pastor Dan. I'm glad I can preach to you, right? Like, I serve a God who can bring things back to life. That's what we're here to do as the church. And let me tell you, our position as the church, you know what we got to do? We got to love people. We got to love people. Look at, look at the person next to you. Say, hey, we're here to love people. If nobody looked at you, I'm sorry. I'll look at you. I'll, we're here to love people. If nobody looked at you, I'm so sorry. The Bible says in John chapter 8, I'm going to summarize. It's the story of Jesus He is approached by the Pharisees for they have just caught a woman in the act of adultery and they are trying to trick Jesus and they they tell Jesus, they says, the law says we are supposed to stone her. What do you say we should do? Jesus, he kind of does a few things, kind of pauses for a minute and 
he stops and he says in verse, uh, in verse number seven, it says they kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, you know what you are, right? That is what the law says. But let the first, let any one of you who has never sinned, you can throw the first stone. It says one by one, they begin to walk away because they realized, hey, we've all fallen short. And I think this is such an incredible picture of what the church is supposed to be. Listen, Jesus didn't throw stones, he rolled them. Right? Jesus isn't here to throw stones. He's here to roll them away. And as the church, it's not our job to throw stones at people who we don't think are living up to the law, who are living up to the standard of Jesus. It's our job to move those stones out of the way, to lay them down and create a road that leads them to Jesus. We got about half the church shouting. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're here to bring people into the family. It's our job to care for the hurting. If someone is looking for a purpose, it's our job to help them find it. Come on, this is why we have people greeting at the front door. This is why there's people greeting, because I don't know if you know this, but people in this world are hurting. The person sitting next to you in this church, it's very possible they're hurting. And so what we do is whenever we have somebody greeting them at the door, we're taking some weights out of their bag that they're carrying. This is why there's people serving in kids ministry and serving in Club 56 is because we're trying to take weights out. We're trying to take those, that heaviness out. So when you get into the presence of God, you aren't burdened by all these things of where am I going to sit? Is anybody there going to like me? No, we're showing you love from the first moment you walk in that now I can lift my hands because I'm not weighted down because we love people. The Bible says in the book of James, faith without works is dead. I believe in a God who can bring dead faith back to life. And so I want to tell you, not only is the church where the lost, the church is a place where lost are found and dead things come back to life, but the church is a place to use the gifts that God gave you. Romans 12, 3 through 8, it says, For by the grace you have given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, right? I've got one body, but I have fingers, arms, legs, toes, like, right? He says, just in Christ, we, though are many, form one body, and each of us, and each member— belongs to all the others. We all have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If your gift is prophesying, prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it's giving, give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm telling you, every single one of you in here, we all have a gift that God has given us. And guess what? My gift may not be your gift. And your gift may not be my gift. There's some giftings I have tried so hard. I do not have the gift of administration sometimes, right? Like I feel like there's times like I'm really organized and then I'm exhausted from it. And it's like, I don't think the spirit has given me the gift of administration. But then I'll go teach and I'm rejuvenated and I'm excited. It's like, okay, that's my gifting. This is what I'm called to do. This is my purpose. And God has given every single one of us a gift to use for the kingdom. And let me just tell you, you're better when you're using your gift. 
You're better when your gifting is being used. And if you don't know what your gifting is, you're like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm good at. You should talk to your pastor. You say, hey, what is my gifting? I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, the Spirit, the Bible tells us, bring gifts. And we need to be using it. We need to use them, wait for it, faithfully. Go on, everybody, just say faithfully. Faithfully. We need to use our gifts faithfully. Listen, there's... It's really easy to serve one time. Come on, it's really easy to be like, oh, the church needed somebody to do a trunk for trunk or treat. So I'll do that one time. But let me tell you, you know what? You know how you become fruitful in life? Is you be faithful. Is that, is that proper English, you be faithful? Is that, that's good, that's good? Okay, I don't think that's proper English in the school, but when you're preaching, you kind of can say whatever you want, right? You become fruitful when you're faithful. Faithfulness results in fruitfulness. And I'm going to help you if you're like, what in the world is faithfulness? I'm about to give you the best definition of this word. Okay? Faithfulness is showing up on time, every day, with a good attitude, and getting stuff done. Let me just ask you this. If you walked into your job on time, every day, with a good attitude, and you got some stuff done, you think you'd be fruitful in your job? Come on, you think it, let me, let me rephrase it, because I know you guys do that already. Do you think if your coworkers would start showing up on time, I know you guys do it, so just, just kind of process with it. I know you guys do it, that's it. I know where I'm preaching at this morning, but come on. So now think about if as the church, what if, what if as a Christian, you walked onto the job every day, with a good attitude, come on, what would happen if you showed up in your marriage? On time, every day, with a good, some of y'all are like, on time, I'm out. No, come on, let's be real. Like, if you showed up in your kids' lives, what, what is the fruit that would come from that labor? Come on, what would that look like 10 years down the road from now? Listen, the church needs your gift to succeed. Paul talks about how we all need each other. Y'all, imagine getting an incredible, like, rack of ribs, but you got no fingers. That's, it's going to be terrible. It's going to be rough, right? Imagine running a race, but you got no knees. Some of y'all think about that. I'm not going to demonstrate. I thought about demonstrating. I decided not to, right? We need all of, we need all of us. I can't do what you can do. You can't do what I can do. You can't do what the person next to you. Look at the person next to you and say, I need you. It won't work without all of us. No part of this is more, no part of the body is more important than the other. I love the worship team. Guess what? If we didn't have a worship team, the people back in the back could find a song online and play it. But we got really good worship team, so we don't have to do that. If we didn't have the people in the back... It would all be acapella and drums. Like, imagine about that, I exalt thee, drums only. You know, I, I don't want to demonstrate, but you get the idea. We got to have each other, and we have to be unified. The Bible says that we've been given every tool needed to fight against the enemy. We have authority to overcome the power of the enemy, but the problem is sometimes we want to use that, and we want to fight the wrong enemy. Let me just go ahead and make a plane. The person sitting next to you is not your enemy. Your spouse is not your enemy. 
don't know if there's any youth in here, but I'm going to preach it. Your parents are not your enemy. I mean, I got worried I wasn't going to finish that one, right? The person in that pew with you isn't who you're fighting. It isn't who you're supposed to be fighting. Well, I talked to them, but they didn't like my pictures on Facebook. Well, you know, they, they didn't say hi like they should. They didn't invite me to their party. So, you know, I'm going to a different church. I can go to the church they're at. I'm not going to the church they're at. What do you think is going to happen in heaven? Like, it's not going to be segregated. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not going to be split. It's not going to be the people you like and the people you don't like. It's going to all be together. So if you can't get along here, you got to figure it out. Come on. Because what happens is this is the danger. If I just start fighting, if I just start getting upset and I just start fighting, eventually the Holy Spirit will try to bring some conviction into my life. The Holy Spirit will try to start telling me, hey, you're wrong. And I'll start fighting against the Spirit because I'm just in a habit of fighting. So we, what we have to do is we have to stop fighting with one another, stop competing with one another, and we have to get back to back with one another and say, you fight there, I'm fighting here, I'll watch what's coming from behind you, you watch what's coming from behind me, and now we can take territory. Now we can pierce darkness. Now we can begin to see healing and restoration because I'm not fighting you anymore, but I'm fighting our enemy. I'm going to tell you all something my late bishop, William Parent, told me. Are there any teenagers? Where are you guys at? Teenagers? You guys in here? A few of you? Awesome. Guess what? The elders of this church, they need you. Does that feel good? Come on, you are so needed. You know what they need, elders? Trust me. They need your youth. They need your zeal. Because... They're getting, they're getting up there a little bit. I'm going somewhere, trust me, trust me. Some of y'all are, uh, pastor approved you, just, just give me a minute. They need your youth. This is what my bishop told me. He said, Jordan, I need your youth. Thank you, bishop. And he paused and he goes, but you need my wisdom. So young people, you need to find some elders in this church and you need to say, hey, I'll be the hands and feet but I need you to be the mind. Come on, I need you to teach me because what can happen is we can be going so fast in one direction saying, man, I'm energized, I'm ready to go, I'm excited that we forget, hey, I kind of dropped my doctrine somewhere along the way. And so we need to find elders, those of you that are younger, you need to find elders in the church and say, hey, I'll go, I'll go, you know, I'll go to the mall, I'll tell people about Jesus, I'll tell people at my school, I'll go to football games, tell people about Jesus, but I kind of need some help from you along the way. If you didn't like that, you can take it up with Bishop Parent in heaven. That's, that's from him. Acts chapter 20, verse 35 and 36, Paul says, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you must help the weak. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself, it's more blessed to give than to receive. Let me tell you, sometimes you do need to receive. I don't want that to be misunderstood. Sometimes you need to receive. Come on, there's seasons in life that we go through where getting to church was all we could do. 
I could get here and I just, I need to receive something today. There's moments in life that are like that. But once you have been healed, once you have been fed, once you have been restored, now we got to get to work. Now I got to go help somebody else too, right? Healthy people don't stay in the hospital, right? They go. And we can't get so comfortable just being fed that we forget we have to go. The Bible compares the church to laborers in a field. And he says, hey, the harvest is ready, but where are the laborers? Well, what do you want to do after you go labor all day in the field? I'm not a farmer, but I imagine after I go gather a bunch of stuff, I want to go eat. Right? So what do we do? We come into here at church on Sunday. We enjoy a service. We get fed. Come on, Hannah sings. The Spirit of God is moving. And we're just like, yes, Lord Jesus, you're making the darkness tremble. And we receive that. Come on, we sing, I exalt thee, and we're back seven years old on a pew receiving the Holy Ghost for the first, right? And we're fed. That's so important. But we can't get so consumed with being fed that we forget there's a harvest we have to go get. Come on, we can't get so consumed with being in the church building that we forget there's people outside of this building who need what we have. My worry is, is sometimes with the church, as somebody who literally on Sunday afternoons will go watch services, my worry is that we'll get so concerned with being saved and staying saved that we forget we're not just saved, we're sent. I don't want a church full of, a, of people who are just saved. Because we're also sent. Bible talks about the story of the prodigal son. If you're not familiar with it, I'll summarize it for you. There's a Bible says a certain man had two sons. One of them decides he wants to leave. The man splits his inheritance. The one son leaves, the one son stays. The son that leaves, would you believe it, spends all of his inheritance money very quickly, ends up broke, hungry, homeless. The Bible says that he comes back home and his father... His father runs out to the field to meet him. And when he meets him, he tells, he tells his servants, he says, they say, go throw a huge party because my son has just returned. And so they go and they begin preparing this huge party. I imagine they got steaks on the grill. Come on, they probably got this. None of this food's going to go together, but I'm just about to mention all my favorite food. They've got cornbread, probably they got some mac and cheese. They got some sweet potato casserole. Come on. You guys not eat over here? Come on. This is, this is some good preaching right here. Come on. They, <laughs> they probably got burgers stuffed with cheese. Come on. They've got some good food. Ready? Go. Don't worry. We'll get out of here to beat the other churches at the restaurants. I'll, I'll wrap it up soon. All right. But they've got all this food going. And then the Bible picks up in verse 25 of that chapter. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field working. He heard music and dancing. So, so picture this. The party's going on at the house. The older son's out in the field working. He hears music and dancing. And he asks one of the servants, he says, what's going on? They said, your brother's back. Man, we're having a party to end all parties. Like, 
your dad killed like 17 cows for this. Everybody gets their own cow tonight. Like, we're having a party. This is amazing. There's dancing. We got the good band in town tonight. Like, we're celebrating. And it says this. It says the older brother wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him. And the Bible says, the older brother said, all these years I've worked for you and never refused to do anything you said. And you never even gave me a party. But when this son comes home who lost everything you had, you celebrate. And his father said, look, you've had this. You still have your inheritance. We're celebrating that your brother, the the Bible literally says in in verse 32, for your brother was dead and has come back to life. And this cannot be the church. That when somebody comes home, we go, well, what are they doing here? Did you see their Facebook last week? Did you see their Snapchat last night? That's young people Facebook. Did you see what they've been doing? We cannot be the one going, well, why, Pastor Fawn, why didn't you talk to me like you talked to them? You spent more time with them than you spent with me. I've been here every single Sunday and you never talked to me. Well, yeah, because it's, let me quote Jesus, it's not the healthy who need a doctor. They're home. We're celebrating. We're rejoicing because the lost has been found. We can't, come on, we can't, he got so mad that he didn't get a party. It's not what it's about. Can I just tell you, you cannot get mad at the grace of God. Come on, the grace is such a beautiful thing. And to see somebody make the decision to turn their their life away from sin and turn it to God, it's such a beautiful thing. We do not get to pick and choose who gets the grace of God. It's not an exclusive club for the righteous. Come on, but it's an open invitation to every person. I got one last verse if the musicians want to come back up here. I, I didn't give this to the team. They're so good. I'm going with a different one. I'm so sorry. The Lord woke me up this morning. Luke 14, I'm going to read this to you. Luke 14, 15 through 23, it says, when one of those at the table were with Jesus, they said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. And so they're talking about Jesus is having this conversation and Jesus is getting ready to tell a parable. Jesus says, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who have been invited, everything is ready, come join the party. So what would happen in this era is for a party, it's not like today where we would say, hey, the party starts at 7 p.m., and you would show up at 7 p.m. It's kind of a little bit different. It'd kind of be like, hey, the party's starting on Saturday. Maybe in the evening. We'll come tell you when everything's ready. And so he sends out the servant. He says, hey, everybody got their invitations. Everybody should know. Go tell them everything is ready. And so verse 18, but they all begin to make excuses. First one said, well, I just bought a field. I must go see it. Why you didn't see it before you bought it, I don't know. But he, that's his excuse. He said, I just bought a field. I got to go see it, please. 
excuse me, another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen. And I'm, I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And another said, I just got married. That one might be valid. No, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> the servant came back and responded to his master. The owner of the house became angry and ordered a servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the towns and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. The servant said, what you've already ordered has been done, but there's still room. Master told the servant, then go out to the roads, the country lanes, and compel them to come so my house will be full. Y'all can I preach for five more minutes? Is that all right? Excuses cause you to miss encounters. Well, I, I got some things going on in my personal life. I just bought this field, just bought this house. I've got this investment opportunity I need to pursue. I won't, I can't be there today. the other one. I just, I just bought five oxen. Man, work has just been so heavy lately. It's just been exhausting. I just can't make it to church today. I just can't get there. The people who typically were excluded, you need to notice this, they didn't have any excuses. The blind, the crippled, the poor, the lame, they had no excuses. He said, here, I'm ready to, I'm ready to be here. I'm ready to be here. Come on, can I I tell you what heaven's going to be like? At least the heaven that I imagine. From reading in scripture, it talks about it, in the book of Revelation, it talks about the marriage supper of the lamb. Can I tell you that? I don't think that's a stuffy gathering (laughs) where everybody's all, you know, everything fancy, black tie, you know, dressed out. That's a party. That's a celebration that we've been reunited with our savior, with our creator, it's a celebration. And church, can I just tell you today, we cannot get picky about how we respond to the call of God in our life. We cannot make excuses and pick and choose when it's convenient to us. Well, they sang songs I didn't know the words to today, so I don't know, I, I didn't really want to worship today. Well, the, the guy preaching today wasn't my favorite, so I'm not going to pray. That's fine. The normal guy will be here next week. You should listen to him preach. He's awesome. Come on, we can't pick and choose. The kingdom of God is in a closed club. And we could make excuses. The poor guy could have said, I don't have any clothes. But we should be sending invites every chance we get. Come on, it's our, church, it's our job, church, to make heaven crowded. Come on, I know you may be an introvert. Heaven needs to be crowded. Heaven needs to be full. Heaven needs to be filled with people who love Jesus. And let me tell you, I think there's people in this world who don't know him to love him. Lord, help me. The Jesus that some people see from actions of people who claim to be Christians, and I'm not saying this is you, I'm just saying this is 
happened over the years that Christians can be known more for what they're against than what we're for. And so what do we do? We need to get people to understand who the real Jesus is. Come on, you got to find somebody and say, let me tell you about Jesus. And when they say, well, I've heard about that, say, I don't think you've heard about my Jesus. Come on, because my Jesus is full of love. Well, I don't know, you know, I've got all this issues, I've got all this, you know, I'm like, let's just be honest, like lightning would strike me if I walked into church and be like, no, it wouldn't. It doesn't strike me. Because I'm just as bad as you are. I didn't hit the mark. Jesus is the only human who's ever hit that mark. And he laid down his life so me and you could find ours. We need to be inviting everyone that we can to the house of God. Come on, we don't get to hold back on invites because we don't want new people at the table. Well, you know, our, our church, like, our church looks really nice. Looks really put together. Everything's nice. It's in order. You know what? Sometimes the church does need to be a little messy. Sometimes it does need to be a little messy. Y'all, I've been on youth trips where something happens, and I'm like, my Lord, why did we let this kid come on this trip? And it is about that moment that my wife will be like, that's the kid that needed to be on this trip. That's the one you needed to make sure gets here. That's the one you need to make sure gets back here next week. Come on, I know those teenagers are making a mess, and and who knows what they're doing, but they need to be here because they need Jesus. Come on, I know the person next to you may not smell like you wish they did, but you know what? That's just an indication they need Jesus too. Let me just tell you this. If you've never made the decision to follow Jesus, if you're here And you've never made that decision that I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to serve him faithfully. I want to be water baptized. I want to be filled with the spirit. I don't even know what half the things you said even mean, but I want to be a Christian. Let me tell you, you can make that decision today. Let me tell you, we live in a fallen world. And when Jesus came to this earth, he lived a sinless life and he died on a cross to pay the price for my sin and your sin. And if we put our faith in him, we'll inherit eternal life. And if you want to make that decision today, I encourage you in just a minute when we come up to the front, find one of these pastors and just begin to talk to them and ask them, hey, how do I do this? They'll walk you through it. They'll pray with you. If you want to be baptized, we can do that today. Because every single one of us in here needs the love and forgiveness of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you this, if you have made that decision, you say, Pastor Jordan, I've been at this church since before you were born. That is so awesome. And I am so thankful for you. I am so thankful for the elders in my church. I am so thankful for the forerunners who've gone before, who've built the platform that I can stand on. I am so thankful. And this is what I'd say to you. You're not done yet though. We have a calling. We have a purpose whether you've been a Christian for one day or you've been a Christian for a hundred years, we are still called to seek and save the lost. We are still called to tell people about Jesus, to serve one another with gladness, to use our gifts for the kingdom of God. And so I want to challenge you this morning that when you come to this altar, to approach this altar humbly and say, God, where are you calling me to serve? Who are you calling me to witness to? Come on, that single mom on the job site that you know is having a hard time and her kids are a handful. 
Y'all, we got people back there who would love to serve those kids. They may not know it, but they would love to serve them. You know why? Because we're going to be a church that loves like nobody else. Come on, this is a, this is a cool church. Y'all, I, I want to have a cool church. Like, I, th- I think I have a cool church. I think I go to a cool church. I think this is a cool church. You got the video wall, got all these amazing singers. But I don't want to be known as the church. Oh, that's that cool church. Oh, that's the church that does really good lock-ins. Oh, that's the church that, man, th- those people, like, they, they can really cook. Now, that, that might be a little tempting, but I want to be the church that's like, oh, man, that church loves people. Oh, man, that church will love your kids. Oh, that church is going to love like nobody else is going to love. Oh, you go to Pineview Church? Y'all love people. Y'all are kind of crazy. You love everybody. Come on, that's the church. That's what we're called to be. If you'd stand with me this morning, I want to open this altar as they begin to sing and they begin to go back up into, into worship. And if you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, I want to encourage you, you can make that decision today. Find somebody down here, say, hey, I don't even know what this process is. I don't even know what this looks like. They'll walk you through it. They'll pray for you. And I'm telling you, it will be the best decision you ever made. And if you have made that decision that I'm telling you, you need to come to this altar and you need to start saying, God, where are you calling me to? What are you calling me to do? Where are you calling me to serve? Who are you calling me to reach? Come on, let me say it this way. Hell is too hot and eternity is too long not to tell them. We gotta tell the world about Jesus. Come on, we need the church. We need the church this morning. Would you come down to the front this morning? Come on, let's, why don't we all make our way down to the front? Would that be all right if we all just came down to the front and just begin to lift our hands today and just said, God, Lord, help me to, to be the church. Help me be the hands and feet of Jesus today. Come on, just lift your hands and say, God, I'm available this morning. Wherever you're calling me to, I'm available. God, if you're calling me to be a witness, I'm available. If you're calling me to, to tell my family about you, I'm available. God, if you're calling me to host host a Bible study, I'm available. If you're calling me to serve on a Sunday, I'm available. If you're calling me to reach the lost, I'm available. Come on, just begin to lift your hands and just tell God, God, I'm available. You speak to me. You tell me what to do, Jesus. I'm listening. Here I am with open hands, God, receiving what you have for me. Hallelujah, Jesus. Yes, Lord, I am available. I hear you call. I am available. I say yes, Lord, I am available. Can have